This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, guys. DGS 205. Happy Wednesday to you. Wait, wait, wait. I keep expecting you to be like, happy birthday, Dave. Because, like, that's what I'm thinking at the beginning of every intro. But, like, that would be weird if you kept wishing yourself a happy <laughs> it birthday. It would be strange. And it's Dave's birthday, he says. <laughs> St. Louis. Hey, Dave. Happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry, I just completely threw off the entire. No, thing. no, that's no, great. not at all. I'm just looking at the cake. <laughs> Some of the icing came <laughs> off of the cake whenever we removed the outer layer bit. of plastic. <laughs> the one side just looks a little bit. Well, I was still laughing. Be good. Yeah, it'll taste the amazing. The bumper music is running, and Rachel, who runs the board and the bumper music, yeah. I look up from my log and I look up, and she's all the way over by the cake across the room. Like, <laughs> well, these cakes these <laughs> days, they come with like the cake condom. And so, like, when you go to take them off, <laughs> just, roll it up. It kind of messes it up. <laughs> yeah. That's it's, right. uh, it, looks, uh, it looks like it has a really interesting haircut, right? Yeah. Like a guy goes and gets a, a new experimental haircut, and everybody's like, it Speaking looks- of, why'd you do all the uh, shaving? It was going to be too much, man. And too, also, too every- much what? Too much sexy? Too much, too much uh, in the way. I too kept much like women chasing you. <laughs> I would like when I was eating, I would eat like my mustache. Okay, <laughs> okay. all right. Could have started, well, it, started there. And everybody, I uh, everybody I would ask, I would say like, so "What do you guys think? Do you think it's getting a little too?" B-? And all of them, without even looking at me, they'd be like, "Yeah, it's too much, too much. You get rid of it." You know, Chris Ranji says he doesn't like it when. Yeah, you he was sad. Really? Yeah. He was questioning us as to why you kept shaving your face, and we were all like, we don't know or care. <laughs> and he was yeah. like, well, we I don't like about it. it. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't come up. <laughs> no more normal thing to happen. <laughs> Did you see another person died in a gender reveal? The, the pilot? The Which the one? Pilot? The, the one in Mexico? Uh, I don't know. I think that's where it was, the, the, the pilot. You're talking about the, the plane? Yeah. yeah. That is... Will you all stop it? Sorry. Will you just... <laughs> Stop it, not you. Yeah. The gender oh. reveal people. <laughs> I thought he was talking to us because we were all like, the pilot, the plane, the pilot, the plane. Dave has a meltdown in his birthday. It was a, Will you all shut up? <laughs> I'm so sick of you. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sick of hearing your voices. <laughs> it was a bit of an Abbott and Costello moment. All I want for his birthday is you to go away and you to go away and you to go away. Andrews and they're like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was like totally my bad. I know it was too much. It's too much, man. No, like the gender reveal. My lord. Uh, People get hit with cannons. Just stop the it. The best part of that video is you see the the wing. The best part of ex- the video. Well, just like the most interesting part. 
my favorite part <laughs> yeah. of the video of the man dying. You see the wing like explode off of this plane, and the the camera tracks the plane like going down. Then it pans back to the couple, and they're like, and everybody's like, yeah. And- Hugging and like twirling in a circle. They're so excited about the gender reveal. Like, totally like, oblivious to the planes about like, to crash. Why is there so much gray smoke? Yeah, yeah. it's like the plane just exploded. What does gray mean? <laughs> it's so funny that like half of us are go mean? above and beyond to do the gender reveal and it has to be this big grand ostentatious thing. And then other people are like, I don't even want to know the gender of my t- my child does not have a gender. <laughs> like how are those two things yeah. so popular at the same time? That's it a doesn't good question. make any sense. That's a really good point. Everything related to weddings and engagements and babies and all that's all too big. Like we gotta, you know, you get engaged. We gotta do an engagement photo shoot. We gotta mm-hmm. get everybody together and take nineteen thousand photos. Like yeah. well, how about we just snap a Polaroid and let's go. Mm-hmm. Um Pat Oswald, way, way back when, did a, a really great bit. I forget how many it was. Like He's like, you get 10 birthdays in your life. You know this one? Yeah. And it's it's kind of this kind of thing. It's like, hey, one, you get a birthday. You know, 21, 12, 80, whatever. But it's like, same kind of thing. Like, not everything. If everything's a giant thing, then nothing's a giant thing. That's yeah. a great point. You know? Yeah. Uh, Stay ready, Kevin. All right. So since we were talking about uh, last hour, how a lot of things are worse. I, I want to talk about certain things that are getting better. Um, and this is this starts with sports, but I think it it moves outside of that because if you think about the concept here, it's it's a broader thing than just sports. But think about what football used to be. Go back to football in the 1960s and 70s and 80s, and it was I'm talking like high school, right? It's two a days. It's a hundred degrees. No water for you guys. Waters for sissies, like this whole thing. And I saw today on Twitter a guy who tweeted, who posted this. um, It's a picture of a table full of smoothies, right? And this guy says, uh, once we finish, he's talking about a high school football team. He said, once we finish practice, we're done. No pointless running. We begin the recovery process for tomorrow immediately by sending the guys off and they make sure that they get the smoothies on their way out. These are protein shakes. You know, they're good for your body to recover. Paid for by our amazing parents and all of that. So that that's his post. And then one that followed it or that that quote tweeted it, which was a person that talks about, um, you know, taking care of your body and all that. He's I think he's an athletic trainer. But he posted about the idea that now in sports, we understand that recovery matters more. And, and the way he put it was recovery is greater than everything performance is greater than hard work. Yeah. And we used to just make the idea that you're going to get better simply by doing more as opposed to doing better. And we understand now what better is. Yeah. So if anybody out there is doing the other is like, well, you know, not, and I'm not talking about a discipline run here and there when player, when people are, you know, out to lunch or they're not living up to expectations of the classroom or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the general everyday idea that the only way to get better is to work harder. And I want to know if you guys, I mean, this has happened, happened in pro sports. This is the professional sports world. They are, they, you know, it's funny. Everybody in high school is like, you got to run stairs. They don't run stairs in the big leagues. They're not doing it in the NFL. They're not doing it in, in a lot of the big colleges anymore because players leave. We've seen this happen in sports. Do you think we're seeing this elsewhere too? Because for a long time, what was the way to work your work ethic was? Well, you know, if you ever put your phone down, if you're never, if you're ever not available, then you're not going to get ahead. 
Oh, yeah. I, I think we're seeing it. I think a really good analogy is the work from home. Yeah. You, yeah. The, uh, so <clears throat> I started to tell you how old I am. It's my birthday. Uh, so I was in sports in the late 80s. No. Yes. No. Early 80s? Late 70s, early 80s. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I went on to play college sports. By far, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life physically were doubles practices at Roxana High School. For football? Eight, yes. Yeah. Eight in the morning to 10 or 11. Brad Wells and I would then ride our bikes back home five miles. We would eat some hot dogs. We'd sleep. We'd go back at 3 p.m. and practice till 6. They had fountains set up in a field. The field was flooded, all for the purpose of making you tough because you couldn't get a drink. And they would give you salt tablets. And, I mean, it was... It was the hardest thing I've ever done physically. And I was 14, 15, 16, like prime physical, uh, just made of rubber, you know. Um, I don't know that it made me tougher, but it did show me what I could get through. Does that make sense? Like, But did it make you better is the, is the best question. Uh, did, were you a better football no, player because no. you did it? In hindsight, no. Right. No, in hindsight, no. I, I would have been much better had they spent their time teaching me more and, and helping me to be a better physical specimen as opposed to tearing me down and right. giving me no time to build back up. And that's what this guy tweeted. He said, tired is the enemy, not the goal. But then look at it uh, as an analogy to what we have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had this written down. I can't remember exactly what Nick and I talked about last night, but I wrote down work from home equals lazy. Uh, probably like Amazon now saying like, okay, party's over, you young little snowflakes. You get back in here and you do your job. And more more and more studies are showing and polls are showing that with, of course, exceptions, I would be one. I know my limitations. I couldn't work from home. I would do nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but many people can. And, and we're seeing more and more that work from home works. It makes for better, happier employees. And uh, a lot of the big people, I saw the guy who I hate, Kevin O'Reilly. O'Reilly Re- oh, uh, Kev, O'Leary. Uh, uh, O'Leary. Can't stand that guy. But he said last night, he goes, it's over with. There's, You're never, ever, ever going to have people come back to the office in anything that looks at all like what it used to be. So I think that's very analogous between like doubles practices in 1978 and the NFL today yeah. and working in an office prior to COVID and now. That people will be like, you're a sissy, you're a wuss, you're this, you're that. Well, maybe we're just doing it smarter. And with all things, there's that balance in the middle that makes it best. Right? You can't be a professional athlete if you're not an incredibly hard worker. I mean, look at an NFL player. Do they look like they're going the easy route? Look how big and strong and fast. That that doesn't happen without work. It's not like today's players don't work, but they work smarter. Yeah. And they don't do two-a-days anymore. And it hasn't diminished their strength, their speed, long, their skill, or anything. How long do you think until we figure out? Because the whole, I mean, we used to just work seven days a week. Yeah. And yeah. then at some point, someone said, like, give us two. <laughs> just give us two. <laughs> yeah, that, that, by the way, that's all our union brothers in the past. And so I, I wonder how long it's going to be until we, in mass, go, you know what? Three works. Working three uh, three days a week and being off four, that works. I mean, I think that's the way we're headed. It has to be with all the tech, technological advances and AI and such. What, well, so I, I, I had this on the rundown a long time ago. We didn't get to it because it just kind of passed us. But there are a lot of school districts now that are going to four-day school weeks. 
So you're doing, I think they're doing longer days. So you're doing a couple, an hour or two more each day, but you're going four days instead of three. And they're doing a lot of it for like financial reasons, right? You don't have to run uh, the air conditioning and the electricity for an extra day or whatever. But just because we've always done it a certain way, or just because some school systems in other parts of the world go seven days a week, or they don't take a summer break, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily better. Right? I mean, better isn't always just more. What do you guys think? I mean, you're the generation that's going to do this. Just in general. Toughness versus smartness. I don't know. I think that there's... I get what you're saying, Dave, about the practices that you did showing you what you could take and what you could handle. I think about whenever I was starting out in radio and I was a a part-time producer, but I would pick up as many hours as I possibly could because I just needed to make money. And it was like feast or famine. I was either getting five hours a week or 60 and, you know, working the morning show and stuff. That was tough. And some people might say like, oh, you were thrown into the deep end and that wasn't good for you. They should have held your hand more and showed you things more. But I think it was ultimately good for me because it showed me how to perform under high stress. And there are times during this job, especially running the board, being a producer, what have you, you're going to be under high stress. I think it's valuable to get that kind of experience. So I I think it's both. I mean, I don't think you should torture people just because you you went through it. But Mm -hmm. I think there's value to those high stress situations at times. And like you said, showing people what they're capable of. Yeah, I used to work like noon to midnight, like basically every day. And then Mm. a lot of like Saturdays and Sundays and the early mornings and stuff. And before doing And this is when you were hiding in the uh, little boys changing room at Kohl's. No. Here. Uh, This is after I discovered my work ethic. (laughs) 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 But um, uh, before doing that, I would have been like, oh, that's impossible. There's no way I can do that. There's no way I can handle that. And then I did it and I'm like, okay, if I can do this. Phoebe's going through that. Phoebe's only been at school uh, a little less than a month. And everyone told me, like, you just wait. She's going to change so much. She's going to grow up so much. And I'm almost in disbelief at how much she has learned and changed in just, like, three weeks. Uh, But, I mean, I guess you send people to uh, boot camp for Mm -hmm. just a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not like she's a different person, but she, like, she gets it. She has to get herself up yeah she has to make herself study mm-hmm. she has to go out with her friends where she doesn't feel like it or say no she has you know like i think rach is right like going through things really does help you for the next thing you have to go through i saw a tiktok yesterday and it's like kind of the classic like hey i'm 14 and i know everything i mean the guy's probably 40 mm-hmm. but he was like think about it you've solved every single problem you've ever faced mm-hmm. it's like yeah well and not know- not all of them Resolved great, but definitely the most valuable lesson my dad ever instilled in me, and he was big on this, was work smart, not work hard. But I don't know, like, I think that that is best applied when it's more like you're trying to do something and you just, it's just too much and you just can't figure it out. Well, there's got to be a better, more efficient way of going about that task or that project or whatever that you're just not seeing yet. So sit down and think it over. I don't know if that necessarily, I don't know if I would ever think to apply like work smarter not harder to something like general work ethic or you know the state of how we do jobs like i i always question if uh, i know that they do the four-day work week in europe some places or whatever but i, I don't I know just if that'll work here we're joking about how long i'm going to live given how the longevity of my life in my, in my family i can imagine when i'm at the end uh, and hopefully having you know grandchildren and great-grandchildren 
and them just being amazed at the life I led. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they'll be amazed. Like, can you believe the great grandpa like only got four weeks of vacation? Right. Or, you know, just like that just seems impossible. And I, mean, I think it's going to be that that weird and that different. Mm-hmm. Start tearing the old man down from past the heather. 225 DGS. So we cut into the screwed up cake and it is really good. Schnooks can make a cake. Mm-hmm. Really good. Um, and then Wheels told us a story about his grandma and a cake and he cried like a baby. <laughs> yeah, I did not. Jeez, dude. <laughs> Pull it together. <laughs> I would never cry. <laughs> I am too powerful. More like Kevin Wah. Kevin Weiner. (laughs) Yeah, Weiner. (laughs) More like Kevin (laughs) Wander. I felt like that moment was going to go on for a very, very long time. It It made it better, though. (laughs) It made it better. What you you can't see in the radio is Rach and I's eyes were locked together. And I'm like, uh huh. Uh -huh." More like Kevin (laughs) Wander. He's got like this eager anticipation. He's like, come on, finish. <laughs> Say it. Like, Say it. Kevin cries a bunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Kevin needs a diaper. <laughs> what a Yikes. baby. So what's your phone thing? Okay, so on my phone, I don't know if your guys' iPhones are like this. I'm sure it is because we're all on the same like iOS update or whatever. When you scroll over to your widgets, it shows you how much time you've used on your phone that day. I've already used my phone for a total of three hours and one minute. Usually by the end of the day, I'm upwards of six hours on my phone. And sometimes, you know, in general, I can just look at that number and it doesn't mean anything to me. But lately it's been bothering me. Like a, four, a quarter of my day is mm. spent looking at my screen. And a lot of that is looking for stuff for the show. But a lot of it is also sure. looking on Instagram, looking on TikTok. So... I don't want to do this, but I would do it for the show. Should I do a challenge tomorrow? I was going to do it all week, but we'll just do it for one day to where I try to keep it under two hours. How? Well, how would, would you do it? I would just not look at my phone as much. Sure. I mean, I would use it for show prep and then I just couldn't use it for anything else, basically, because I'm curious to see how it would affect me throughout the day because sometimes I feel like I get a little bit of anxiety because I'm not existing in the real world. Mm -hmm. I'm so online and so looking what's on my screen and it's easy to just like get caught up in that and you're kind of out of touch with reality at a certain point. I'm just wondering like I don't know. Maybe we could all do the challenge. We could all do the two-hour challenge for Boy, a day. That, that changed quickly, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing that. <laughs> all right. Well, it was just a suggestion. I need, I need, we yeah, could all see no, how dog. we felt. <laughs> well, I'll do it. I'll do it tomorrow, and then on Friday, yeah, Friday, I'll I'll come back with my report of how I feel and how the day went and how hard it was. So that's the little ch- Thursday challenge, Throwback Thursday challenge. That okay, I'll right. let's all do a challenge. Wheeler, you try not to cry like a little baby. All day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can do it, Dave. I don't know if I can do it. All right, yeah. I'll take the challenge where I eat the whole cake. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take see if you can, oh, can grow your beard back by tomorrow. I'll take the two hour challenge gotta, where I see how much cake I can eat in two hours. You gotta push really hard to get that beard back. Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMWAX 234. Happy Wednesday. Uh, really excited to talk to my next guest, Norbert Leo Butts. If you, we're the only two kinds of people out there. 
those who know who Norbert is, or if you you know go and you Google him, you're like, oh my God, he's in this show or he's in that movie. I love this guy. He's St. Louisan. He's Steve Butt's brother, who's on our show all the time. Uh, Norbert, really, really great to meet you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Sure thing. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure. So uh, Norbert has a show coming up <clears throat> the 29th uh, at the Sheldon. Fantastic place. We've done a, a show there. It's a fantastic place. Uh, it's an album yep. release party he's doing on the 29th. Uh, this latest recording, King of Hearts. So, uh, my gosh, Norbert, I mean, you've done everything stage and screen and albums and uh, just sounds kind of schmaltzy, but uh, we're really <laughs> proud of you here in St. Louis. So, well done. Thanks so much. Uh, can I can I can I mention that it's your birthday? Am I am I happy <laughs> birthday? You may. Uh, Thank you very much. A few little birds have told me this, so happy birthday, Dave. Your your gift is that I'm not going to ask how old you are. Um, it is, I, I, uh, it's okay. I'm like three ahead of you. I'm 59. So we're we're oh. right. We're, we grew up in St. Louis about the same time. I'm an East Sider. I grew up over like Roxana, Edwardsville area. Uh, Got so it. Let me let me make that my first question. Like before we get into your career, just tell me about growing up in St. Louis and and your feelings and memories of it now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, I was born on uh, right off a of gravelway uh, on a little street called Vassal. I'm the you know there's a lot of us butzes. I'm the, I'm the seventh of 11. Uh-huh. You know, Steve. Steve is number one. I'm number seven. Um, growing up, so yeah, we lived in a, a two-bedroom house with seven kids and mom and dad with one bathroom. Damn. Damn. Um, and then we moved, you know, like the Jeffersons, we moved on up <laughs> to Holly Hills. Um, not the nice Holly Hills that Steve lives on, but Holly Hills closer to Kings Highway and, and Gravway there. Gotcha. Um, yeah, man. And, and that's where I grew up with my 10 brothers and sisters. I, uh, we have a big, big, we're super close. My siblings are still my best friends. I've always felt like a, kind of the odd man out in the family. So my brothers and sisters are Steve, Mike, Kathy, John, um, Tony, Tim, Teresa, Jim, Annie, and then Norbert, right? So, like, <laughs> what the hell? What the hell happened there? My parents named a baby Norbert. They should have just given me like a lifetime m- membership to you know psychotherapy. Um, That's awesome. I have I, all joking aside. I have my dad's name. I was the first and only of the 11 of us that my dad saw be born. I guess I was born uh-huh. in 67 yeah. in St. Anthony's Hospital. I don't know if you guys knew this, but men could not be in the delivery room until 1967. <laughs> so I my dad, I was the only one he saw born. Then he never needed to see it again. <laughs> you know, the, the story is my mom would get pregnant year after year, you know, devout Catholics that they yeah. were. Um, and every time she have another boy, she, my father said, could we name this one Norbert? My mother was like, hell no, we're not doing that to a child. But, um, so, I, evidently he was so moved at my birth. She finally <laughs> relented. So, I love um, that. So, so yeah. not to be hyperbolic, but, but truly, I mean, what you have accomplished 
is like making the major leagues, <laughs> you know, like it's like uh, talking to someone who plays for the Cardinals, like kind of, I mean, we don't have all the time in the world here, but as much as you can just walk us through, like I'm fascinated with how you got into it and how you rose to, to the, these heights. Yeah, dude, I, I, I was a super shy kid. My mom says she doesn't remember me speaking until I was 13 years old. There were just so many kids and, um, it was kind of survival of the fittest. I, I was a good student. I was really quiet. And um, I, I think it was Steve, really. I always credit, well, I should say my maternal grandfather was a great musician. Mm-hmm. I, he died when I was an infant, but he was raised in Old Mines, Missouri, which is an old country town. My mother was raised down there, and my grandfather could pick up any string instrument and play it. He had an amazing voice. He actually, in the Depression, rode around on boxcars, right, like the hobos used to do, making music. And Steve picked up the guitar as a kid, and we got a piano, I remember, when I was about eight or nine. And, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time down there at our uh, family's farm uh, down in the Steelville, Potosi area. There was nothing to do. There were guitars sitting around, and and most of all my brothers, we can all play a little bit and and pick a little bit and play piano. Mm -hmm. So I just really took to it, and um, I had the ear, I guess. By the time I got to high school, teachers were telling my parents they should get me, you know, private tutors and training, and they didn't have the money. So I, I started paying for my own voice lessons at the age of 12. Wow. <laughs> I worked at a little market called Giffels in, in South St. Louis, and um, yeah, I was just obsessed with music. And then as I got into high school, you know, I started doing the plays, see, one of my two of my older brothers, Tom and Tony, they had the market on the all-girl Catholic high schools. <laughs> if you could walk and talk at the same time, you got a part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that sounded good to me. You know, a cast with like seventy-five girls and five guys. Because yeah. if you're a Nor- <laughs> if you're a piano playing Norbert, you need all the help you can get. You know, in the in the girl department. <laughs> so I would do the plays at Corrieu. I did plays at Deberg, and really, really, it was just teachers. I had to be told that I had any kind of talent, and this teacher said audition for Webster University, which I did, and that teacher said you should go on and study graduate school, which I did. Um, I I fell in love with acting, I would say, as a teenager. I got really into the movies of, of sort of Pacino and, and Robert Duvall and some of those badasses. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was obsessed. I was obsessed with Jimmy Cagney, so I went to the conservatory at Webster University, which my brother Jim also went to. He's an, also a professional actor and an acting teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, and I just I just stayed with it. I, I was so really lucky to have found kind of the thing that really turned me on really yeah. pretty young. I, I got a master's degree. I moved to New York City when I was about 28 years old, and I got stupid lucky. Two weeks after I arrived in New York City, um, I was asked to audition for the production of Rent, which was a huge musical that opened in the late 90s mm-hmm. that won all kinds of awards. And within two weeks of arriving in, in New York, I got cast as the understudy for the two lead guys in Rent. And then I took over that role the second year of the run. So I had never even seen a Broadway show, and I was in a Broadway show. No. <laughs> I got stupid lucky. And I, I tell you, I'm 56. That was when I was 28. Everything has really opened up from that first gig. You know, you just keep on following that arrow. And uh, I got an agent. I was with that agent for 30 years and you know, with 11 Broadway shows later. And I got lucky and won a couple of nice awards. And then 
I would say, uh, this is a, a long story, but um, about 10 years ago, my body started really falling apart. I had done my 12th Broadway show. I've torn both knees. I broke my neck in Wicked. I have a titanium rod in my neck. Um, I did a lot of aggressive dancing. And uh, my dad was a great dancer, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. So I think I got that from him. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I needed it, – it's, it's a lot like being a professional athlete. I think I started – my body started to really break down, and I started uh, pursuing more TV and film work which I had always kind of turned down. I, I, I couldn't travel. I have three daughters. I didn't want to be away for long periods of time. But my girls were getting bigger, and I, I auditioned, and I took a role in a show called Bloodline for Net, Netflix. And that was my first time really doing, kind of being in front of the camera day in and day out. Grew to really love that. It's, it's super hard work in a different way than stage work is. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they say that being on stage is like running a marathon, working in front of the camera is like being a sprinter. Mm -hmm. You wait and wait and wait, and then you have to deliver, right, in a very short time span. So uh, being on stage is, is, is a marathon run. You know, you're up there for three hours. So I'm just lucky, dude. I've, I'm lucky in that I've, I've been able to work in different mediums. Um, one of my favorite things I do is narrate books a lot. I, I, I just kind of put this career together um, – the best way I know how. Yeah. And I've been blessed with having a few different skills and, and that's the only way I've been able to make it work because it's a super hard business. It's a great story. It's a great story. I, I'm, I, <clears throat> I won't bore you with mine, but it's similar. I, I went to law school in a drunken bar bet and did 10 years and hated it. And I was an advertiser in radio and I walked in one day when they're putting 97.1 on the air 23, 24 years ago. And I, remember, uh, I mean, I just, remember 97.1. Just bam. Very similar to you. You know, you just look around one day and you're like, oh, I have a career behind me. That This is insane. Uh, Norbert, totally. before, before I let you go, let me ask you one sort of uh, kind of existential question. Uh, uh oh. No, no, no. You'll get this. So, like, <laughs> 20, okay, so 24 years ago when I started, I was a bigger star. J.C. Corker and D Stephen D.C., all the guys you grew up listening to, they were stars. And now, not so much. And, like, yeah. you guys, real Hollywood stars. And Rach, who's on my show here, said something the other day that the younger generations prefer like user generated content. They don't care about stars anymore. The way we grew up with like Carol Burnett and Frank Sinatra and the Beatles, Rolling Stones. Right. What is, I mean, does that, does it scare you at all? Does it worry you about the future of entertainment? Or are you just like, yeah, everything evolves, dude. That's the way it goes. Uh, that's a huge question to end on, but I'll tell you what, um, my three of my unions are on strike right now. I'm a member of four unions because <laughs> wow. I, have, I have a really varied career, right? I do television and radio work. I do screen actors guild work. I do stage union work. Um, I'm a member of all those unions and we're, we're in an existential crisis with this strike that we are on. Um, as you know, there has been a strike going on. I've been out of work. I'm currently playing coach Bill Belichick in a series uh, for Hulu on Aaron Hernandez um, it's a, an amazing part, uh, obviously, if you know anything about <laughs> the past yeah. and Bill Belichick, and it's, it's the role of a lifetime. We shot two episodes and, and uh, now no work for several weeks. I think what's at stake here, I think as a culture, we're reevaluating um, the value of actors, the, the value of scripted content, um, not, not, not reality, not um, competition, uh, uh, an actual story about human beings 
right, with real living people telling those stories. Um, that's that's sort of what's at stake. The AI thing is it's a huge issue for us. There used to be used to be able to play small roles, right, in a film. You know those background actors, right, who get paid a hundred bucks a day. Yeah, they're now able to reproduce our images and then use those instead of hiring real human beings. Like it's already happening. So I don't know if this is answering your question, it but it it really is a kind of a um, come to Jesus moment right. in the entertainment industry. And um, yeah, I'm plenty worried about it. But here's where I take some solace. I also believe in something that we call chops. You talk to about musicians, they've got chops, right? That means they can actually play the instruments that they <laughs> purport to play mm-hmm. and sing. I actually do have the chops and I'm not bragging. I'm not, this is not an ego trip. I've been at this for a long time and I trained really hard. So I'm going to be able to make a buck, you know, because I've got the chops. I can put out a tip jar in a bar and still make enough to pay my mortgage, just playing my own guitar and singing. Mm-hmm. I can, um, I produce my own records, right? I, I narrate audio books. I do a lot of other things. Um, and the actors that I know who've made this a career, just like a portfolio, they diversified in that way, right? They haven't put all their eggs in the, in the, in the social media, you know, quick content. They, yeah. they actually have stops. So I, if I'm talking to younger actors, I'm like, train, train, train. Um, they, they will never not, not, those skills will never not be needed. Um, and you can tell, you can tell the, the, the skilled people from the unskilled people yeah. in a second. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm, I'm glad, super excited though about it. Yeah, I'm glad I asked you. I, I, I love yeah. I love that answer. It's, it's very honest. Um, so we're talking to Norbert Leo Butts here, uh, <clears throat> St. Louis, and he's going to be at the Sheldon on the 29th for an album release. Um, special guest uh, Devin Cahill is going to be there. Uh, Norbert will continue to hit this for you and promote it until it's sold out. And again, oh, really, really so great much. talking to you. You too, Dave, and and happy birthday. Thank you, pal. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. Goodbye. That was fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really interesting story. Big fan. He's really good. Yeah, I know you're really into yeah, a lot I mean, of he, stuff he does. To me, his character on Sorry the show. Sorry I didn't let you talk, but I'm no, afraid no, no, you're no. going to cry. I was. <laughs> I would because it's <laughs> that's Kevin Rayburn from Bloodline. That's He's my favorite character in that show. That's the first time I had seen him, which I, I didn't know was his first yeah, like, screen his thing. Kevin. Yeah, yeah, because his name's Kevin. No, because he's awesome. He's, he go, Let's just say, uh, you guys, let's just say if you watch Bloodline, his character has a bit of an arc. Okay. There's a lot going on. 254 DGS. <clears throat> Pardon me. Do you see that uh, it took them five hours to clean up the diarrhea plane? Good. Which, like, <laughs> good job. If you could do that in five hours. I mean, you guys saw the video, right? Yeah. 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 It was so much worse than I thought. You just ripped up the carpet and burned it, right? Oh, they had to. <laughs> they had to. How much How much does a plane cost? <laughs> There's no amount of money. Just sink it into making, the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, scuttle it. Did you see my story I, I put on the Google Doc about the vomit plane? No. I did, but I don't know about it. So this is an Air Canada flight, and these women got on, they boarded, and their seats were wet with vomit from the prior, yeah, sorry, from the prior passengers. And I guess the the crew had done what they could to clean it up, but they couldn't get it cleaned up enough. And they're like, well, it's clearly covered in vomit. We can't sit here. And they're like, well, I guess we could give you a blanket or something to put over it. It was like a two or three hour flight. And they're like, we can't do this. Yeah. Apparently, these women ended up getting kicked off the flight because they were being rude about the oh. fact that their seats were covered in okay. puke. 
Come on. Yeah. Somebody, those, they, what those two need. This is Air Canada. Oh, those two need free tickets for life for yes, that. Yes, they do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come the hell on. Here you go, ladies. Uh, Here's your pukey seat. And how do they not have, like, a system for that? That, that has to happen from time to time, I mean, they people... got bags in the little uh, seat pockets. They yeah, know but it has to. Yeah, exactly. It has to happen like a replacement from time to time. cushion or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. There has yeah. to be a, a system in place. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.